He's controversial. 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, he's outspoken. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wookiee man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, uh, hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Shannon Moore is mad at his parents. Why? Why would? Why that? would he, he make himself look like that? Unless he was mad at his parents. Oh! At least he cut his hair. Oh! I elbow by Noble. How do you know he cut it? Maybe he's just not sticking it up like a sleeve stack. What's Shannon doing? Uh oh. What's Shannon looking at? Could be a big man under the ring. Think Shannon pointing at Hornswoggle. Well, Noble thinks he is hit with Shannon Moore. Rolls up Noble and picks up the win. Shannon Moore out for to Jimmy Noble. Here is your winner, Shannon Moore. This is the Triple Threat Podcast. No, wait a second. It's not. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by the WWE Network. Head on over to wwenetwork.com slash TMPT and start your one-month free trial of the WWE Network, where you can experience all of the great original programming on the WWE Network, which will be coming to you live and in living color at your fingertips whenever you want, just by getting on over to the WWE Network right now. So get on over there and get a hold of that subscription just by taking advantage of our offer here that we've got on the two-man power trip. And I'm a little confused, and I don't know what really... I should do here because, John, this is supposed to be the Triple Threat podcast that usually has John, myself, and the franchise, Shane Douglas, but we got to switch things up a little bit here, and you're going to be getting a bonus episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling featuring our guest today, Shannon Moore. So strap in, folks. This is going to be a fun one. We're talking all about our TMPTCon 2 Richmond, Virginia convention coming up in just a couple of weeks. There's a lot to get to here, John, but this is usually the Triple Threat Podcast. We're kind of thrown for a loop as the franchise had some uh, family business to attend to on a couple moments' notice, and here we are. We're standing here, and I guess it's never a bad thing that we can deliver an interview like Shannon Moore, but a little change in the schedule never hurt anybody as, of course, we can step up and uh, answer the challenge and the bell. Yeah, it's pretty cool that we have a vast library with amazing episodes that we can kind of just put out and put out. And obviously Shane has some family business to attend to. So we didn't want to just throw out a triple threat episode. We wanted to make sure we put out our best effort as far as a brand new episode with brand new content and Shannon Moore episode is right up our alley. 
Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, it's never a bad thing when we can talk about our own show, TMPT Con 2. You've heard us talk about it on both Triple Threat and Two Man Power Trip, where we're just we're so excited to bring this convention to Richmond, Virginia on May 19th. It's not just a meet and greet. It's not just a fan convention. It's something for the city of Richmond and the wrestling fans in the Mid-Atlantic area to come and kind of celebrate not only the history of wrestling in the Mid-Atlantic from the old school days of Mid-Atlantic wrestling but and Jim Crockett promotions, but also the WCW and the WWE's time coming through Richmond. And obviously in this episode with Shannon Moore, we bring up Richmond a couple of times because WCW passed through Richmond a lot in the late 90s and obviously when uh, Shannon Moore was with three count he was a huge part of those WCW Nitros and those WCW Thunders that would pass through the Richmond Coliseum so it was really cool to kind of relive some of those moments with him and Shannon Moore has obviously done so much in his career where he started off wrestling uh, with the Hardys in the Omega promotion and really teaching himself how to how to work, how to perform, making his way through WCW, making his way to the WWE, bouncing around TNA and back to WWE again. He's done so much, but John, tell us a little bit more what we have to look forward to here in this interview, promoting TNPT Con with Shannon Moore. First and foremost, I have to thank Jeremy over at Smash Mouth Pro Wrestling. Yes, there will be a pre-sale link available on brown paper tickets. If you go under TMPTCon2 and look for Smash Mouth Pro, you'll see that not only is Shannon Moore going to be at TMPTCon2 in Richmond on 519, but Gilbert, Dwayne Gill, will be there as well. If you remember Gilbert from his days in the WWE and brief stint WCW, you will enjoy that. And of course, Shannon Moore had a, a great stint in wcw basically him shane helms jamie noble were hugely responsible for recreating that wcw cruiserweight division that became so famous in the mid 90s and became basically the staple of what was so great about wcw such great action such great wrestling such great work rate aside from the major stars aside from the nwo storyline aside from the sting storyline the goldbergs of the world you had those cruiserweights so when WCW started to struggle a bit and WWF was starting to beat him in the ratings, when they kind of were trying to revamp and change and retool, they said, what made us successful in the 90s when we were destroying the WWF and really kicking their butt? It was partly to do with the cruiserweight division and people turning on that channel and saying, oh my God, look at this guy. You know, Look at that guy doing this amazing move or that guy's a great worker. You know, that guy has such charisma and the high-flying skills. And the technical skills. I want to watch this guy. I want to, you know, just invest in this character. So when they recreated and revamped the cruiserweight, excuse me, cruiserweight division, basically when Shannon Moore was injected into it, it was great. I mean, whether it would be Shane Helms or Chavo Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, or Billy Kidman, they really revamped that division. Kid Romeo, Elias Skipper. I mean, so many different guys. They had the division was going strong. They had the cruiserweight tag division coming along. Very, very cool, and Shannon Moore was definitely at the forefront of that, and we go over a lot of great stuff. Speaking of great stuff, wbnetwork.com slash TMPT for your free month of WWE action, including this Sunday's pay-per-view backlash. You can get it for free. Now, my WWE Network recommendation would have to be Starcade 2000 involving Shannon Moore. Yes, Go to WB Network, go to WCW, go to pay-per-views, go to the year 2000, and go to WCW Starcade. You will see a six-way ladder match involving Shannon Moore, and you'll see some great bumps, some great action, some great stuff. And this will really show you why that Cruiserweight division was kind of getting a huge rebirth, showing some shades of that mid-90s there in, in the year 2000. So check it out. That is WBNetwork.com slash TMPT for your free month. And it's always good where we can kind of slide in, like you said, and we can put out an interview. But obviously, we had a actually pretty big show plan for this episode of the Triple Threat Podcast, which we'll just pick up and we'll bring over to you for next week. It's going to feature a nice, uh, nice guest here for Shane to kind of shoot the breeze with. And something that TMPT wants to go over with this guest as well. So a lot to look forward to in that next episode of the Triple Threat Podcast. The franchise will be back and better than ever next week. And we want to thank Shannon Moore for taking the time to come on and chat with us. It was a fun chat and it was a great time. And we can't wait to see Shannon Moore 
down at TNPT Con 2 on May 19th in Richmond, Virginia. So if you need to get on over to our website, please do so. It's TNPT of wrestling.com and there you can find all the direct links to where you need to go for each individual vendor guest as well as all of our guests which are linked to brownpapertickets.com and you can also go to their website and search tmpt con 2 you'll get all the tickets for our general admission all the autograph tickets we've got on there the photo opportunities and the eric bischoff tmpt con 2 nightcap which you'll be hearing a lot about in the coming days the TMPT Con 2 Nightcap is a Q&A dinner and drinks with Eric Bischoff at the Backyard Grill in Richmond, Virginia. It's going to be an amazing afternoon. It's going to be an amazing night. Cannot wait for May 19th to come. And if you don't know some of the guests, let's go over a couple of them. We've got Scott Hall. We've got Kevin Nash. We've got Eric Bischoff. We've got Shannon Moore. We've got Gilberg, like John mentioned, but also Two Cold Scorpio, New Jack, Rugged Ronnie Garvin, Mr. Hughes, I mean, who, John, who am I forgetting here? We also, oh, we just added Oscar from Men on a Mission. I mean, my goodness, we've got so many people. Mikey Whipwreck, Solo Darling. The list goes on and on. It's going to be so much fun. I cannot wait for May 19th to come, and hopefully you'll join us as well. If we haven't convinced you with these interviews that we posted so far promoting this, then just you wait because the next couple of shows are going to hammer it home big time. So strap in, folks, and join us on May 19th. And let's get it on over to Shannon Moore. And again, if you tuned in for the Triple Threat Podcast, we'll see you next week. Don't worry. We'll be back, and the franchise will come and franchise your ass in due time. So, John, do what you do best. Hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business. And let's get it on over to the Prince of Punk, Shannon Moore. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr. Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. Follow along with a two-man power trip as we come to a town near you. Join us in Richmond, Virginia for TMPTCon 2. May 19th at the Holiday Inn with feature guests Kevin Nash, Easy E, Eric Bischoff, Mikey Whipwreck, Mark Canterbury, and so many more. So follow along with the two-man power trip as you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, former HWA Cruiserweight and Tag Team champion a former wcw hardcore champion you may know him as a member of three count he is the reject the prince of punk shannon moore please enjoy Joining us on the line tonight, 
will be a man who's joining us in Richmond on May 19th at TMPT Con 2. He is known as the Prince of Punk. He's a former WCW Hardcore Champion. He's been all around the world and back again. And we are so happy to be joined tonight by the one and only Shannon Moore. Shannon, thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for having me on tonight. Oh, we appreciate it. And like I said, you're joining us on May 19th at TMPT Con 2 with Smash Mouth Pro Wrestling. It's going to be uh, one hell of an event down there in Richmond, Virginia at the Holiday Inn. And uh, Richmond is a town I know you know very well. You've been through it many times with WWE and WCW. And I guess uh, first question would be, you're looking forward to getting back into that mid-Atlantic area. Yeah, man, it's always good to be back in that area. Um, <clears throat> it's just my stomping grounds, you know, just from, uh, I guess, from 10 years old and up, just those roads I've traveled just many, many times. And uh, I haven't been back in the area in a while. It's been a little while, so it'll be nice to be back for, for this. Richmond, Virginia, I, I got to say, is a very underrated wrestling territory. And when we've been going through, like, the history of Richmond, and we looked at a lot of the events that went on, it was the home of the first WCW Nitro that beat Raw in the ratings that started the whole 83-week run, which is pretty, you know, it's pretty historical. So Richmond, not only the NWA in the Mid-Atlantic, but also carried over into WCW and to uh, WWF history. So uh, pretty good. And, you know, that was a regular stop for you guys uh, many, many times. Are there any matches or anything you remember about the Richmond territory uh, specifically from your time going in and out? Uh, I think the last time I was in Richmond, actually, the one thing that stands out, I wrestled uh, Jeff Hardy there. And uh, we, uh, you know, me and Jeff, we wrestled thousands of times probably um, just since we were kids. But uh, just that in particular place, uh, the, it holds a spot in my mind. Just one of the greatest matches I've had with Jeff uh, was actually in Richmond. Um, and that was, uh, <clears throat> you know, that's, that's one of the biggest memories I have of Richmond, actually, um, you know, all the WCW, TNA, WWE, pay-per-view stuff, anything that's happened in Richmond is kind of a blur with the bigger companies because it all, it just all falls together once you wrestled there a thousand, you know, a thousand times. But uh, I do that one match with Jeff. That's one thing that stands out. You know, I was kind of going through some old Nitro results and trying to see, you know, maybe there's some kind of linkage between you know, maybe some title matches or stuff that you might have done in Richmond. I found one match you had with Shane Helms that was on one of the Nitros, but then it kind of was, it was interesting. Nitro popped through Richmond a lot in that 99-2000 era, and I don't know if that was, uh, you know, more uh, maybe having to do with the venue being a little bit easier to get to, but it was a hot spot for sure, and I guess it has to do with the fans, you know? You can't deny that the fans in this mid-Atlantic area know exactly what they want in their professional wrestling, and that's what I think, uh, you know, WCW kind of ran Richmond uh, you know, pretty regularly for a couple of years at the end of uh, the company's run. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't deny just the, the Mid-Atlantic uh, fans there, man. Like, they, they stand by you through anything, no matter what company you're in, no matter what you're going through, no matter what personal shit you're going through. Like, the Mid-Atlantic fans, like, they, they got you back no matter what. They're... Uh, they're loyal as they come so what's going on in the world of shannon Moore these days you know we know you're a pretty accomplished tattoo artist you know your body is uh it's like a uh like a roadmap all the cool designs that you've got but what's going on in the world of uh, of shannon Moore these days oh uh, man life's good right now like I, man it's uh me and uh me and my girlfriend Lindsay snow we just we opened uh, a tattoo shop. It's another gas chamber. Um, it's in uh, Carthage, North Carolina. We opened that about I don't know, seven months ago. Um, so we've been traveling, just making sure that that's running good, man. We're wrestling. Uh, Lindsay, she's actually my tag team partner now. So like we're on the road together. Uh, we're just staying busy, man. Like just wrestling dates coming in, like um, going to uh, Canada, soon she's going to puerto rico i'll be with her down there like we just we're staying busy between tattooing between owning the shop between wrestling uh training just staying on top of my game like you know and i don't know man like uh i want to do uh one more run with a bigger company so i'm just getting in the best shape i can get in and uh we'll see uh to see what happens man like 
things are looking good though, man. There's a lot of irons in the fire and hopefully uh, you'll see some good things to come in the future. Now, that's really cool, and I, I always said that you were a guy that whenever we were at a show and we saw you performing, we always saw one of the best matches of the night. And obviously, you know, with WWE being a little bit more kind to the 205 uh, live roster and giving them their own show, I, I've said it many, many times, if you guys had that show in the, the mid-2000s, early 2000s, right after the purchase of WCW with all the great talent that was in there at the time, like yourself and, and Nunzio and Jamie Noble and Kidman and, and all the great guys, Kid Cash, that you guys had, had in at the time, that would have been one hell of a TV show. So if that's one of your goals is to get back in one of the main companies, there's a, a huge spot waiting for you if you got back onto uh, that WWE radar with that 205 Live show. What do you think of that platform for, uh, for those wrestlers? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like, that's one thing I took, uh, you know, I, I took about, I don't know, a year off. My body was a little beat up, and uh, which was a good thing, because now, man, I'm 100%. I feel like I'm 18, man. Like, I couldn't feel better. I'm getting in the best shape that I've been in in many, many years. And uh, I think as far as 205 Live goes, man, like, you know, I agree with you with, the you know, our cruiserweight division, uh, you know, that rolled into WWE and then, that actually took shape in WWE for several years. Um, it was something special, man. And I think that one day I, I would love to see a lot of the cruiserweights from, you know, that time actually come in and actually compete with some of the 205 guys, 205 live guys, because I feel like, you know, some of those guys are really, really young. And uh, there was a lot of knowledge uh, in our cruiserweight div division, you know, between um, just everybody that was there. And I think, that if they did something to where, you know, they mix it up with some of the old school cruiserweight guys, I think that that knowledge could be passed and actually shape 205 Live uh, even better than what it is now. And I'm leaving out a couple of big names, obviously Rey Mysterio and even Ultimo Dragon and Funaki. And it was Tajiri. I mean, there's so many guys that, yeah, at the time, that was like, that's an all-star team. That's not just a WWE roster. That's an all-star team. And you guys has had... Uh, such stellar talent that it didn't matter what match you guys saw, whether it was a six-man or a tag team, or you guys got the chance to go one-on-one, -on -one, somebody was going to be, uh, you know, getting that spotlight. And obviously, was there anybody in that kind of time frame that you really enjoy working with? Because there were so many guys to choose from. And there's so many. I mean, my chemistry with every every one of those cruiserweights was, you know, it was spectacular. Like, those guys, like, just... It was something special, man. I've I've got so many memories with so many of the guys, like you know, with Ray Mysterio. Like you know, I wrestled him the last Nitro we had when WWE purchased WCW, and just uh, you know, from Ray to Fanaki, like me and Fanaki, we'd rip it up, you know, no matter what show we were on, what night of the week it was. But one of the things that I think that we that could have been different, and I'm sure guys, you know, nowadays like whether it's 205 Live or just the match in general was like, we didn't shoot just to go out and have a good match. We still, we, we were shooting to steal the show late because we just had a point to prove, you know, because even then, you know, like the rumors were, like, you know, the big man's world here. So, you know, we just wanted to show like, Hey, we, we can work for our spot and we, we can own our craft. So yeah, every night, man, we just tried to rip it up and give the best performance that we possibly could. There's always there's always been kind of talk about the cruiserweight division, whether it was WCW saying they should have had their own show, uh, or I even remember there was some chatter back in the mid-2000s on WWE.com, maybe the cruiserweights having a show, and now, obviously, WWE Network, they can do whatever the hell they want, and, and that idea that you have, it's kind of like a cool idea of having the mix of the uh, the two worlds, so to speak, kind of colliding, but do you remember any chatter about that back in the mid-2000s of you guys getting your own platform and your own show? Because even if you, you had your own touring schedule, you guys would have been able to sell out shows just based off of the talent. Yeah, dude, I, I tell you, what, I'll, I'll take even back a little further to whenever I first heard about a cruiserweight uh, show. Um, and I, I, I'm not going to quote him on it. I'm not going to say it's 100% true, but the reason that I got hired is because of this. So I'm about 95% sure like, there was chatter and like Eric Bischoff did have an idea. Um, but whenever I got hired, I was number one out of 21 cruiserweights that got hired to WCW. And the whole point was they was going to do a reality show from what I heard through Chris Canyon. 
um, which is, you know, was a big, I guess, uh, big deal as far as me getting my job was through Chris. And because uh, Eric had pretty much told Chris to find 21 young cruiserweights that uh, they were going to send them on the road or send us on the road, basically, and film like a reality type show, I guess, kind of like Road Rules back then. I guess that was the show or something like that. Um, but it was, you know, even before Tough Enough and all that. Like, I think Eric Bischoff pretty much had an idea for a cruiserweight show. And that was a, a, a big, big time rumor at the time. And I remember that quite well. And what's great about this is Eric Bischoff will be at TMPT Con in Virginia. So we could bring that up to Eric and say, Eric, you know, uh, Shannon's right here. Was this guy going to be a reality star or what? <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, like I've always wanted to. And I've had the chance, like, you know, I've been in Australia where I've had some downtime with Eric and, you know, in TNA, because I, I think Eric Bischoff's great. He's always treated me amazing. Uh, you know, his son's a real good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, like, I, I would love to sit down with Eric and actually hear his idea of what, you know, what he had going on then, like, if he can even remember, because, I mean, this dude, he's had so many projects since then, and he's had so much going on since then, shit, he might not even remember thinking about it but i'm sure he would i'm sure he'd remember uh something about the reason that the 21 cruiserweights were hired at that time and you mentioned chris canyon being a big part of getting you into wcw was it also jimmy hart that kind of played a big role in getting three count together because that was kind of one of your your real first breaks if you will when you really made made your name for yourself when the gimmick was evan courageous shane helms and yourself as three count yeah, it was uh, it was funny. Um, well, I, you know, Chris is the main reason that you know I got hired uh, in WCW, and then um, they uh, pretty much sent out my contract and hadn't seen me work yet, and they wanted me to bring somebody down whenever they seen me perform. And uh, Shane Helms went with me, and they hired Shane too. Uh, whenever we got down there and wrestled, um, Shane ended up getting hired. But yeah, man, like uh, Jimmy Hart, you know, like we, me, Shane Helms, Christian York, and Joy Matthews, like we were the Bad Street Boys and Music City Wrestling, which was right before WCW. Like we were out there, you know, pretty much every weekend uh, or, you know, a couple times a month at least uh, working for Music City Wrestling. We had just such a good following out there. And our, you know, like the whole boy band type thing was really over out there. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, that was something because I know that Chris Canyon, I know WCW was watching Music City Wrestling because whenever I called Chris Canyon uh, to ask him, you know, like, hey, how can I get involved in this cruiserweight action that's going on? Um, he pretty much was like, well, I know who you are. I've seen you on, you know, I've seen you Music City Wrestling. And uh, he already had an idea who I was. So I know that that was being seen by WCW at the time. So after, after we got hired and they hired the 21 cruiserweights, they ended up pretty much firing like, all of them except I think uh, me and Shane and uh, I think uh, Jimmy Yang because uh, he was down there and um, Jamie Noble and there might have been a couple more that kept their job but we were pretty much they at, at one point once that I guess the idea for the Cruiserweight show got scrapped um, you know they were like hey we want you guys to get to the power plant and like dude I, I wanted nothing to do with that power plant like, I was, you know, me and Shane, like, we'd already been wrestling forever. And, you know, like, our gig in Music City, like, we were making, you know, a little bit of change there. You know, nothing like we were making in WCW, but, you know, we felt like we were finally making a stamp, like, on national TV with Music City Wrestling. And, you know, whenever we were like, go to the power plant, like, we are like, okay, that's cool. You know, we'll go for a week or two. And um, I just remember, like, like, I, I didn't mind going for a week or two, but my, at the time, my dad, he was a paraplegic, and I was kind of helping, you know, I guess pay for, you know, the care for my dad and helping out with that with my mom whenever I was home. And, I, you know, there was no way that I wanted to move to Atlanta or anything. And me and Shane, we, uh, we actually had this game plan to uh, go in and talk to Paul Orndorff, and uh, we were – We'd already talked about it too. We're like, man, we've heard he's crazy. Like, you know, he's probably got guns and knives in his drawer, but we got to go in here and let him know that, you know, we don't want to be here. So we went into Paul Orndorff and we're like, hey, um, you know, we've been 
wrestling for a while, which was probably the wrong thing to do. We probably didn't make the right decision by doing it. And we're like, you know, we we pretty much we don't want to be in the power plant because I've got hurt too down the power plant by somebody that just shouldn't have been in the ring. I guess at that point with me, just they were real green, and uh, I've got a concussion down there, and I was there for a week. And it was just, uh, I don't know, it was just a lot of wear and tear on my body, and I just didn't, I didn't think I needed to keep doing that because it, it just, it was de- digressing me rather than, you know, putting me in the right direction. Long story short, we went into Paul Orndorff and we were like, hey, uh, basically, we don't want to be here. And we were expecting him, like, to pull a knife or something crazy or try to fight it. Because I was like, Shane, if this happens, man, if this goes down, like, I hope you got my back. Shane's like, you better have my back. So, like, we, you know, we had this plan, like, Paul's probably going to try to kill us, but Paul was like, well, I don't know why you guys are here anyways. You guys are awesome. And basically put us over, but then whenever we walked out of the office, like, from what I hear, like, we were put on the to-be-fired list immediately. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that whole political thing probably had a little uh, play right there. So they were going to fire us, and then uh, basically Jimmy Hart scooped in. He had this idea for three counts. Um you know, I don't know where it come from. So it was just a thought. But at the time, I think Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake were hot. And Jimmy, you know, he, he wanted to really use this and record serious music and put it out like, you know, big, I guess, uh, pop stars. And, um, you know, that's how it kind of happened. We went able to record our music. Jimmy got behind it. And then it turned into, you know, pretty much people like we were some, I guess, some of the most over heels on the show because the people hated us especially we look so young and then singing that horrible music like they uh they put us in a good spot though very funny and obviously got a huge amount of heel heat the theme song the dancing the the singing you know all that stuff it was just kind of like the, the perfect storm especially with you and shane being great workers and throw evan courageous in the mix it just worked and the fans hated it did you enjoy kind of playing that role did did you think that maybe you could be doing something, you know, maybe better or something else? Or did you like the fact that it was kind of like, uh, you know, almost like a tongue in cheek, like, oh, we're a boy band, but, you know, we're really out here getting the most heat of anybody on the card? Yeah, after we got going and, you know, like, because, you know, I knew, I, I don't know, man, like, I just, the wrestling crowd, like, I knew it was going to be hard to kind of win them over with the singing and shit. But once we started, you know, going out there and getting heat, and they started booking it like that. Like, I, I really liked it. I thought it was cool because, you know, it, it, I mean, Arn and like Arn Anderson, like, I love that dude to death. So he, man, he used us to, I guess, to our max potential, like, in that, being in that spot. Like, I mean, he would send us out to open the show. He'd send us out right before intermission, right after intermission. And then they'd put us on and, you know, would come out around the sim right before the main event and like oh, you guys want to hear it one last time and by that point <laughs> they're throwing i mean we're using our green circles as shields they're throwing fucking m&ms and batteries and like just whatever they could throw at us uh, drink bottles like you'd be getting the heads all kinds of stuff and then all of a sudden like you know sid would just slowly walk down the aisle and you know big ass sid people just they see him creeping up behind us and like you know they'd start going nuts like the people loved that because they knew we were just about to get destroyed, and then you know he'd slide in and then just stand behind us, and you know, we're like, yeah, finally we you guys would get it, you know, we knew you love us, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Then turn around and obviously like Sid would just beat our ass, but the people loved it, man. Like you know, people love to see a good bad guy get their butt kicked, and uh, you know Arn he was on top of it, man. Arn he's like I said, man, that dude, I got so much respect for him, like just for what he did for me. And you guys definitely got a huge amount of heat. The crowd definitely you know, despised you guys. But really, kind of, if you think about it, you guys were kind of in charge of rebuilding the WCW Cruiserweight division. Because before, you know, many years before, Cruiserweight division was killing. It was on fire. Mysterio, Malenko, Jericho, Benoit for a period of time. Um, Sean Waltman for a period of time. I mean, there were so many great guys in the Cruiserweight division. Then it kind of floundered off. But then all of a sudden, you and Shane and Evan and the Young Dragons, and you guys are kind of uh, in charge of almost rebuilding that division back up. Did you feel any pressure at that point? Like, wow, you know, this division used to be something. Now we kind of got to build it back up. You know, at the time, like, I didn't even look at it like that. Like, to me, like, you know, Ray and 
you know, Chavo and all these guys have already laid such a big imprint in the cruiserweight division and WCW. Like, I just felt like, you know, it was my job. Okay, now you got to come in, you got to step it up, and you got to compete with these guys, and you got to show that you deserve to be on the same stage as them. Um, but yeah, now looking back, man, like it's really cool because you know, like even at Starcade and stuff like that. Like I remember them coming to us pretty much, you know, not as you know, like we were gonna pop ratings through the roof at that time and start winning the war again but they'd come to us to just go out there and have you know a five-star match and just rip it up you know like um you know pretty much i felt like they were coming to us like the main event like going like we're depending on you guys to go out there and entertain and you know give them 15 minutes of action and just entertainment and like that was a good feeling because for a long time like they caught on us a lot and um you know it's real cool like i WWE's like going back and they're starting to air thunder and all that stuff now. So like, it, it'll be cool for people to be able to relive that and see just how hard we worked um, toward the end, even to the last match. Like, you know, my last match on Nitro, like we still went out there and gave it, you know, 110% and tried to rip it up the best we could. And it's crazy to think, obviously, that the WWE would end up buying WCW and that was the last Nitro. But before that, we were kind of saying, you guys were treated like the main event. You guys had to go out there and get great matches like that six-way uh, ladder match to Starcade. It is true because WCW, for a real point of time there, was almost like, okay, WWF does this, but WCW always has great matches. They had the NWO and all these big names, Sting and Goldberg and whoever else, but they always had great matches. And I felt like you guys were a big part of you know, kind of bringing that back where it's like, okay, turn off WWF for a second. You know, like, if you want to see some great matches, three count is in there against the Young Dragons. Yeah, man, it was cool because, you know, they knew that, especially me and Shane, you know, like Matt and Jeff, they went to WWE, me and Shane is in WCW. And, you know, Matt and Jeff at the same time, they're up there, they're doing the ladder matches and stuff, like the Edge and Christian. And, uh, you know, we're down there, like, you know, they're calling on us. I don't know if it was to compete with what WWE was doing, Matt and Jeff was doing, but it was a hard spot to be in because, you know, whenever me and Matt and Jeff and I was at home and we're practicing and stuff, like, you know, we're all going over the same stuff. So down there, like, we had to go, okay, like, what can we do different that Matt and Jeff and Edge Christian and the Dudleys aren't doing? And that's whenever we started, you know, we were like, well, you know, they don't really build scaffolds. So we kind of took a scaffold approach to our ladders and started, you know, started building a lot of scaffold work out of our ladders and doing stuff with that to kind of be different, separate our ladder matches. So cool, so innovative, and those matches are great. And obviously, they hold up really well today. If you go back and watch it, uh, obviously, I would recommend people you know, on the network to go watch some Nitros, go watch some Thunders, and check out when uh, WWE brought in the Cruiserweight Tag Team titles. At that point, it felt like, I guess Johnny Ace was booking at that point, but Bischoff and whoever else was kind of behind the scenes. They were really starting to put a lot of steam behind the Cruiserweights, obviously, before they were bought out by WWF. But did you feel like, wow, Cruiserweight Tag Division, they're giving the Cruiserweights a ton of momentum here? Yeah, I did, man. Like, you know, we we were just we were just happy because, you know, at that time it's like, wow, you know, I'm in one of the biggest companies in the world. And, like, they're coming to us and, they're not, you know, they're not going, oh, here's a script. Like, go out there and do this and this, you know, like some people get today. And, uh, you know, it was pretty cool because they're like, look, you guys got 20 minutes. You know, whether it was Starcade or Nitro, it's like, you know, they just had faith in us, man, that we could go out there and just give a main event performance and, you know, just not go over time, just nail our time, you know, go out there and just give the best performance possible. So it feels good looking back, like, just kind of, I feel like we created our own little bit of history right there for that, you know, that little bit of time. Absolutely. And who knows what would have happened if, they kept it going because they cruiserweight tag division. They got that kid Romeo. Elix Skipper kind of ca- came up through the ranks, and he was showing some skills and, and a lot of stuff. Obviously, Mysterio and Kidman. So they were starting to definitely revamp the division. And supposedly they were bringing in the Torimon guys, and they're gonna they were gonna bring Ultimo Dragon back. So I mean, there was this whole thing with the uh, the cruiserweight division. Did they ever mention that to you? Like, oh, we're gonna be bringing in guys from all over the place again, like we used to. Yeah, you know, I heard different rumblings about that, about, you know, what guys they were going to bring in. Like, you know, Ultimo Dragon, he's one of my favorites. Um, just, you know, I worked with him a lot in uh, WWE. And then, you know, like, he, I went over and worked for his company in Japan. Uh, 
did a tour for him over there for a couple of weeks. And, you know, like Dragon was one of the guys like I always, you know, wanted to come into WCW and work with just because I was a fan of his work. Um, just over the years of watching like him, Habusa, like, I was a huge fan of Habusa back in the day. Um, obviously Ray, but you know, I got to work with him. Um, so I kind of got to check that off my bucket list. And, uh, I don't know, man, like there's so many guys from Japan at that time, you know, Jushin Liger, um, got Tiger Mask, like so many people like I was wanting to work with. And I was just, I was like, yeah, like finally I'll get to work with these guys, you know, in America on TV and actually get to have some good matches with them. But, uh, unfortunately I guess it didn't work out. Now, there's some great stuff with the cruiserweights, but obviously there was some comedy involved, too, with Three Count. All three of you beat Brian Knobs for the hardcore title at one point, and then they throw Tank Abbott at one point with you guys as well, and obviously that was very funny and very comedic. But how did you feel about doing you know, more more of the comedy aspect, especially with a guy like Tank Abbott, who's known as being a legit tough guy? Uh, Tank was cool, man. And, uh, you know, like the comedy thing, like, you know, it was uh, for what, I guess, like, you know, a lot of people, they're like, oh, no, you know, like, I take my wrestling serious. But it, the cool thing about three count was, like, we, you know, we could go out and clown ourselves and, you know, let people laugh at us. But whenever it comes down to wrestling, like, they couldn't deny the fact, like, okay, like, they're, uh, you know, they're they're out there and they're, they're, you can laugh at them and they're making a fool of themselves. But when it comes down to wrestling, like, you can't deny their talent. And uh, whenever they put Tank with us, like, I thought it was pretty cool because at the time, you know, Tank being a tough guy, like, doing the UFC fights and all that stuff. Um, it was pretty cool because he took the role serious, too. Like, whenever he come in, like, I really felt like Tank was our bodyguard because even whenever we'd be out eating or something, like, you know, or going to the car or whatever, like, I feel like if somebody would have messed with us, like, Tank would have knocked him out. Um, he, he took the job, too. <laughs> I, think he, I think he really thought he got hired to be three-count bodyguard. He was great in that role, and it was certainly uh, surprising to see him in that role. But it was it's great with three count. It's like, okay, jokey, the theme song, the dancing, the gimmick. But then once the bell rang, you guys turned it on and showed that you can have the best match on the card. Is that something that you guys were out to prove every night, that you guys were basically you know the best workers, even though people may not realize that at the time? Dude, yeah, like that, and that was just kind of our creed that we lived by from – whenever we started, I mean, our whole crew, man, like through Omega and just, you know, starting in North Carolina, like that was our goal, man. Our goal wasn't just to be another wrestler. It was to be the best match on the card. And we'd go, we competed with each other. I mean, we, you know, whenever we had our shows, even in Omega, like, you know, like if I was wrestling somebody, Jeff was wrestling somebody, Matt, Shane was wrestling somebody, like, you know, we tried to beat each other. We wanted to have the best match on the card. And, uh, you know, that's what we shot for in WCW, man, and everywhere we went. Like, it was just to have that best match on the card. And, uh, man, even to this day, I mean, that's just kind of what I, you know, what I tell myself, you know, even, you know, been in the business as long as I have, like, I still go out there now and I want to give the best performance I possibly can and uh, try to be one of the best matches on the card, if not the best. And, uh, you know, it's just something I feel like whenever you don't think like that, like it might be time to hang it up because I just don't want to be that guy that goes out there and just puts around the ring and just gets by. Like, I, I want to try to compete at the best level I can until I'm ready to retire. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then at, at this time, at the end of WCW, obviously, Vince McMahon, they purchase your contract, you end up in WWE. And what was kind of cool is you get back with your buddy, Matt Hardy, and you're on SmackDown with him and, you know, Mattitude and V1 and you're an MFer. Was that pretty cool to, you know, kind of almost go a little bit of full circle yourself there and say, you know, I started with this guy. We're buddies, uh, all the, you know, Omega days and, and North Carolina days. And now I'm in the WBF wrestling with him. Yeah, you know, like it all went full circle, um, you know, WCW to WWE and then actually – you know, they put me with Matt and, uh, you know, then we got to do a little, some comedy stuff with that, just with the, based off his character. And then with Crash, you know, Crash being my moron and I was Matt's an effort. Um, <laughs> but we even, you know, like we, like I said, we, you know, we'd always put a hundred percent into it. Even the littlest spots, like, you know, I, I think we, uh, we were in the rumble, um, at one point, me, Matt and Jeff were in there and like, we did some spots there, like where I, kept Matt in the ring by, you know, put my feet on his back and 
pushing him in the ring, and then I wouldn't let Jeff swan on him. Um, but we we try to just make the best out of it that we could, and just try to at least like give a spot or something that the people would remember forever. And uh, that's you know that's what I always try to do is just leave an impression with whoever's watching the pay per view or watching the show live. You know that night, just leave them with something they'll always think about. Absolutely. I mean, there was that was so fun, and that era with you and Matt Hardy was so great. But it was funny, kind of after that, what they did with you as well. It was like you were battling all these big guys, especially at that point. I mean, these massive guys: Matt Morgan, Big Show, Nathan Jones, A Train, uh, Brock Lesnar, even Bob Holly. I mean, these all these huge, huge, tough guys. Was that a little bit of a, a different kind of transition for you? Basically, going up against the super heavyweights. Um, no, it wasn't really a transition, like, because for me, like, I think a lot of guys, they don't understand that role. Whenever you, you get put in that role, I think sometimes it can be an honor um, because basically they, you know, especially like with Brock, you know, I got to work with Brock for a while. And, uh, you know, from Nathan, like you said, to, you know, all the other super heavyweights. And, I, you know, what that, what that position is, man, is like, you know, you're using your talent to make these super – heavyweights look like a million bucks and i think some guys like they miss an opportunity and i've seen that opportunity like hey you know i can use my talent and go out there and bust my ass this way too because i'd always get recognized for like cool stuff that i would do in matches you know that would make these guys look like superman um you know like i, I took a belly to belly from brock one time he belly to belly me from like the center of the ring all the way to the floor my feet hit the ramp and um like, it was a pretty impressive spot. Like, you know, I'm lucky I walked away from it. But, um, you know, like, just stuff like that, I've always prided myself on. Just, you know, whatever it is, like, doing it a thousand percent. And I think if you, you know, if you can do that, you can pride yourself on every bit of work that you're doing. Like, I think people will take notice. Because, like, whether I was, you know, in a good spot getting pushed or, you know, in, uh, you know, in a Starcade or WrestleMania or just, you know, on a, whatever a saturday night or um something like that and uh, you know like people would always recognize like man like that dude's talented because of the way he bumps or the way he sells or you know do you see what he took from so and so or man that ladder match was amazing so i think talent can always shine through it's just a matter of how much effort you put into it and i think a lot of guys kind of get boo-boo faced uh if they're not getting that big push and you know they for some reason that job that night is, you know, to make somebody look strongly, you know, that never bothered me. I actually, I took pride in that spot. Such an important role. And and people, I guess, don't realize it. And you guys are like the unsung heroes or like the quiet MVPs because you're making that Brock Lesnar and, or, you know, that big show, whoever look even better and look even more impressive. And it's funny that, like, to the to the untrained eye, that they would kind of say, "Oh, that's a bad position to be in," when realistically, the guys behind the scenes think that that's a great spot because they trust you. Yeah, definitely, and that's you know that's the thing. Whenever they'll come to you and go, "Hey, can you you know you're working with so and so, you know, just be creative and do your thing." Like, that's a good spot to be in, man. Especially whenever you know you hear, or not not now, but I hear sometimes like you know they might not have certain faith in some guys and you know pretty much walk them through everything they do and uh i just i always thought that was cool that you know i've always been pretty easy to call on to get my job done and be able to go out and do it for them absolutely and i remember the el gran luchador angle with eddie guerrero and jbl eddie guerrero of course super over and one of the greatest of all time but JPL at that point wasn't really, you know, he wasn't a main eventer per se at that point. I mean, he was about to be, and they were giving him a big push. But the crowd wasn't quite buying him. But you were definitely helping in that process of getting him over as, like, this major heel. You remember that angle fondly? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a good angle, man. It was, uh, you know, like, everybody can serve a position on a show, man. I think that's, you know, like, obviously, uh, like, WWE knows, that formula and how to, you know, build characters and how to make superstars. But, uh, you know, that's one thing I think that some independents and some promoters on the indies lack is just how to build a show, much less a character. And I think it's important to build the show along with the characters. And I think, you know, it works out for everybody if you do that right. And that role 
you know, with the JBL getting them over, it, it's so important. And it's, there's like trust there. And there's like that important aspect uh, of you and your character. But then all of a sudden you kind of make that change of appearance. And we see a different Shannon where we see the Mohawk and, and the makeup and everything else. Was that kind of something that, that you wanted to do per se, or something that you guys collaborated with, or something that you just said, you know what, I'm changing my look. This is the way I'm going to be from now on. Yeah, I, I, I did it all on my own, man. I took a chance, took a risk. Uh, you know, I didn't know if I'd be fired for it. I didn't know what would happen. Um, you know, like the first thing I did is I went and sleeved out one of my arms, which, uh, you know, they wasn't too happy about that. And I, I think, uh, at that point, that's whenever they put the tattoo policy into effect the next week. Uh, and I <laughs> um, so I'm probably the reason for the tattoo, or I know I'm the reason uh, for the tattoo policy, you know, having to be cleared and everything. Because, you know, I got a lot of, uh, got yelled at a little bit for that. Um, but, you know, the way I was thinking was, you know, like I did the boy band thing on TV. I've been just the young baby face Ricky Morton, you know, which is what they always compared me to. Once you go out and, you know, you're a young Ricky Morton. And, you know, that was cool. But I just felt like I was ready to change because even with three count thing, like, you know, I always wanted to be a rock star. Like I played guitar and, uh, you know, like I always wanted to be tattooed up and all that. So whenever... I got the chance and I felt like it was time to transition into another uh, character. Like it was time to, you know, go ahead and tattoo myself. And, you know, around that time too, like I was wanting to open my first tattoo shop and I just had a lot going on, you know, to do this transition. So I started making that uh, happen then. And, uh, you know, I always had this uh, punk character that I wanted to do in wrestling. And, uh, you know, I just went for it and, um, you know, I got a lot of opportunities and, to, you know, kind of do my thing, uh, whether it was WWE or TNA with it. Um, so I, I got to use it for a lot of years and make some money with it. And, you know, like now, like I'm actually in a position now where I'm kind of evolving that character a little bit with Lindsay. Uh, me and her, we're working on some new stuff now, just, you know, to update my look and her look and just do something fresh. And uh, I, I think it's important for everybody to do that. You got to keep evolving with the business. If you don't, you kind of get lost in the shuffle definitely well well said and as we start to hit the wind down and we wind it down here you know you mentioned tna wrestling i wanted to mention uh, the feud you had with aj styles because i just remember like wow you know shannon moore is finally you know in tna where it seems like they're definitely pushing the x division guys and, and pushing the quote-unquote cruiserweight guys and obviously aj styles was the kind of face of the x division for a while and obviously you know obviously everyone knows where he is now but great worker did you enjoy your time in TNA, and did you like that kind of that Prince of Punk gimmick that you had, and, and the feud with AJ Styles? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, whenever I first, uh, you know, Double J, he uh, obviously he's one of my good friends from way back. Uh, I love the dude to death, um, and owe him a lot. Um, you know, as far as my career goes, um, but uh, you know, Double J, like I went down, I talked to him, and uh, you know, we had the whole. You know, he seen my look and everything. Him and Dutch, like we talked about how to, you know, do some packages and stuff to introduce me. And uh, you know, that first run I did in TNA was amazing. Like, you know, because um, I signed a deal um, with those guys. I was there for a while. I uh, got to run with it. Got to do the X division stuff. And you know, then I think the second go around, you know, with AJ, I got that's whenever I really got to work with AJ, like in the main event, some um, on Impact, and. Uh, like that was cool and it probably would have kept going and I should have kept going then. But man, like I was going through some drama then and like as far as finances and stuff like that, I wasn't under a contract then and then I had to kind of do the uh I guess whole money thing when it comes to negotiating with WWE and TNA at the time. And uh I guess I got the phone call after an impact. It was probably close to the one where I wrestled with AJ in the main event. I got a phone call saying WWE wanted me back. And, you know, whenever I went back, uh, you know, like, I wish it went a different direction. I understand why I went the direction it did. Kind of, you know, my character fell to the back burner after, you know, I wrestled Punk for a while. Like, I get it. Like, it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's business. They made the right choice. Punk, you know, he made them millions of dollars and, uh, he did good, so like you know, I can't bitch whine and complain about it because I got paid and taken care of good. 
and uh you know i was there for a long long time until uh you know we parted ways again so um yeah working with aj was amazing man aj's a great performer i'm glad where he's at today like he deserves a spot uh, where he's at and uh, he continues to work and bust his ass now you've mentioned Jeff Hardy, and I know you know the Hardys very well as one of your favorite matches, but do you have some other favorite matches that really stick out to you as far as your career? Because, I mean, man, you've had some wars in WCW, some great matches in WWE, TNA. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's some matches that people probably haven't even seen from your younger days against the Hardy Boys. Yeah, man, um, some of my favorite matches I've done um, some of them, uh, there's, you know, there are, you can go on YouTube and see them like Shannon Moore versus Willow the Wisp, but that was Jeff under a hood or under his mask, um, as Willow the Wisp. And man, we, we've had so many just amazing matches, like as, uh, cause I was kid Dynamo at the time I was this young, you know, I was 15 years old, like just this young kid, just, you know, trying to make it in wrestling. And, you know, then you had this Willow, the demon from down under that was just, trying to ruin my chances and like just the story we would tell is pretty amazing and just some of the stuff we did in the ring was you know really cool um so those matches were you know with uh willow were amazing man um trying to think uh you know like my matches with ray mysterio were awesome like chavo i always love working with chavo um chavo he he's just i mean he was born into the industry just like ray um, you know, they got wrestling in their blood. So whenever you get in the ring with them, it's just, it's a night off, you know, like you really enjoy just your craft and what you're doing, especially whenever you go back and you watch it. Um, ah, man, there's so many, like I've wrestled so many matches with so many people. Like it's hard to, the cruiserweight open we did at WrestleMania at Madison square garden. Like, you know, like I knocked two birds out or one stone or and then on top of it, just the amount of talent that I got to work with on WrestleMania was pretty amazing. But being able to say I was part of WrestleMania in Madison Square Garden, like, that's a pretty big deal to me because that's where everybody wants to perform. If you ever make it, I guess so-called make it, and uh, to be part of that WrestleMania was awesome. Um, man, um, I'm trying to think, like who who else? Uh, Chris Benoit, man, like he's. I learned so much working with Chris, you know, like just the matches you have with him. I mean, he just, he teaches you so much and like, you don't, you can't possibly, I mean, Chris is an amazing performer whenever you're watching, but until you're on the receiving end of Chris in the ring, like you don't understand how intense this human being is. Uh, He's one of the most intense people I've ever been in the ring with, including the super heavyweights. Like, Chris was, you know, just, he was in a league of his own. Um, you know, the passion that Eddie had, like, if you work with Eddie, Eddie was very passionate. You know, he was passionate about everything, like, you know, and you just hope to God that nothing went wrong or you, you know, didn't didn't do something to make Eddie mad because Eddie, he loved this business so much and was so passionate. You just didn't want to let him down. Like, you know, I enjoyed that. And just so many people taught me so many things and just, the amount of passion and just the effort that a lot of the guys, especially, you know, from WCW into, you know, the mid two thousands, like put into this business, you know, and like a lot of the guys today, like, you know, I didn't come up with them or I haven't worked with them a lot. A lot of the newer guys on WWE, but I, I assume that the passion's still there. And like that, that work ethic there. Um, is, I just, I've never been able to be around them to see it, but that's the only thing that I can say like that I really am thankful for is just coming through whenever just passion was running, you know, through everybody in the company, no matter what your spot on the card was. Can you think of anybody out there in the current landscape as like a dream match, somebody you haven't wrestled before that you definitely, I know you said you kind of revamping your look and your style and you're evolving a little bit. Anybody out there that you'd love to wrestle in like a dream match scenario? In a dream match scenario. Hmm. Well, um, a couple of guys, like somebody I never got to work with, like that I always would, you know, I always thought that I could do something cool with just character wise, like whether it was a team or just something like if you had TV going, um, 
was La Parka. Like, I would love to do something with La Parka. Um, I always thought he was amazing, like in WCW, and just his character and the way he, he carried himself as a luchador. But at the same time, like he he could entertain people, like you know some of the other luchadors couldn't, like you know without using moves, like just his mannerisms and stuff like that. And I always had this uh, just these crazy thoughts and ideas of like, man, what if I did this with La Parka? Did this with La Parka? Um, and dude, like back in the day too, man, like in Japan, like I always wanted to do stuff with Leatherface over there. Um, like whenever they were doing all the uh, like hardcore stuff over there and the exploding rings and all that. Like uh, now, like I would love to do an exploding ring match with somebody like that. That is definitely uh, something interesting. And I'd love to see uh, you in that type of match. I'd also love to see you against a guy like Will Ospreay. I don't know how much of, of like current high flyers you, you see, but he spends a lot of time in uh, New Japan pro wrestling right now. But Will Ospreay is definitely a high flyer. I'd love to see you wrestle specifically. Yeah, I've, I've seen a couple of his matches. Um, you know, he's a great performer. Um, like with me this day and age, like I, I really like love the theatrics behind everything. Um, you know, somebody else like Cody Rhodes. Like I think Cody Rhodes. I think I could kill it with Cody Rhodes. Like in Japan or something. I'd love to work with him some. I've never got a chance to work with him, but I've always wanted to. And especially, man, like where he's taking his character and where he's at right now in the business. Like, I'm super happy for him. I just, he would be another guy that, as far as a dream match goes, like to wrestle on a pay-per-view or something, like it'd be really fun. Now, do you still watch current wrestling? Like, are you watching Raw or SmackDown or whatever? Are, are you seeing Jeff Hardy kind of reemerging here and, and becoming the big star that he once was? I'm not. I, honestly, man, like, I'm so busy right now. Like, I, I really can't sit down. Like, man, we're we're on the road. Like, I'm on the road now more than I was, like, whenever I was under contract with WWE or WCW, just, you know, tattooing and, me and Lindsay, like, we're just nonstop wrestling, tattooing, and making sure our shop's done, and just traveling from Jacksonville to Tampa, to North Carolina, doing our shows. Um, so I really don't get to follow it close and actually sit down and watch Raw or SmackDown. But I do, you know, keep up with it on social media. That's kind of how I keep tabs on what's going on. Um, I love what they're doing with Jeff and Matt, kind of, I guess, giving Jeff his, letting Jeff be Jeff, and then letting Matt do his whole deletion angle um i think that's great and what he's doing with bray i think it fits um and i'm super excited that they're kind of keeping them you know like together but not really together like you know they're acknowledging the fact that okay it's matt and jeff but jeff's doing his own thing and, and matt's doing his his uh wackiness so with all that being said chad and you know you said you still think you got one more run left in one of the big companies uh, for your career, so the way we usually uh, we end it is we ask you, where do you think, uh, you know, in five years you see yourself? Do you think you're getting back in the ring and having one more run? Do you see yourself, you know, dominating and opening more tattoo shops? You know, what do you think Shannon Moore will be doing five years from now? I don't know. Right now, man, I'm focused on, uh, you know, like me and Lindsay, like we're doing this tag team deal now. Like we're, you know, pretty much she's a, because she's a shooter, man. She's a purple belt. Uh, in jiu-jitsu pretty much and like she's ripping it up right now like she's come so far and i'm enjoying like doing this you know pretty much uh mixed tag match with her and i don't know i just i want to see where this goes and just see how far we can take this and you never know man i might have to pop up and uh jump in the lake of reincarnation at some point <laughs> <laughs> Just watch your back. Make sure Sid's not uh, creeping up on you guys when you're uh, when you're doing your thing, you know, in any of the matches you guys have. Yeah, not definitely, man. You, uh, but now, you know, I'd love at some point, like I do, want to come back together with Matt and Jeff, and you know, maybe Shane or whatever. At some point, I would like to see us all come back together in one of the big companies, and then, you know, at the very end, like I just see this thing, like I just got this vision in my head of us, you know pretty much starting Omega again and all the originals being together on Omega and uh, doing our own thing for a while. But I, I really have faith that Omega with the originals can be something huge um, just because of the following we had, you know, before we ever made it to WCW or WWE. 
Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I, I bet you if it was at this point in time and if it was you guys from 10 years ago, I bet you they probably would have put you all together in some kind of group and some kind of faction because it seems like they kind of nod a little bit more to those associations and those friendships, uh, even though you were paired with Matt, you know, and obviously you're paired with Shane. Like, I feel like at some point th there there might have been something in the cards if it was this day and age. You, you guys probably would have had your own little deal going on on TV right now with a uh, little bit of an Omega group. Yeah, man, we, uh, you know, I, I think as times went, like, you know, I, I guess the powers that be kind of understand uh, just how our group rolls, like, you know, with me, Matt, Jeff, Shane, like, because, you know, whenever we were coming through the Indies and stuff, like, we were, we were outlaws, man. Like, people hated us because we loved and had so much passion for the business and we gave everything to it. Like we didn't, we didn't work regular jobs because, you know, we were, we were going to either die or make it in wrestling. That's the way we were doing it. And, you know, some people took it as all these guys think they're better than everybody, but you know, as times went on, like, you know, they've seen how close the group was, what we went through to make it. And, uh, you know, over the years, just crossing paths, being together on, you know, WWE or, being part of you know together in wrestlemania or whatever and i think you know like it's just it's there it's something that you can't deny like okay this group like they've been wrestling forever all of them still can go like we need to go ahead and just let this organically take its place and just put them together at some point so i think you'll see it one day somewhere that uh, will be very cool because you guys obviously got a lot more to give still and uh I think all the uh, the true fans that know the story would love to see it uh, brought to light, but uh, definitely more to come from that Omega crew. So now as we bring it back to what we're talking about from the start, it's TMPTCon 2. That's our convention. It, it's our show the way we want it to be. We got an all-star list of guys coming into Richmond. We got Big Sexy Kevin Nash and Eric Bischoff and Scott Hall and, of course, Shannon Moore and Mikey Whipwreck and Henry Godwin and Ronnie Garvin and the Barbarian, and the list goes on and on and on. So, Shannon, as we get ready, we're about a month away while we're recording this from the big day, 519 in Richmond. Give us your final thoughts, and then after that, tell us where we can find everything going on in the world of Shannon Moore. Matt, I hope everybody comes out on the 19th, checks us out. Um, there's going to be a, just a huge amount of talent there. Uh, just... Uh, you know, just come out, support some good old wrestling, and uh, see some of your favorite stars, man. Uh, you know, I'll be there. Uh, Lindsay Snow's going to be with me. She's going to be there on hand with me. She's wherever I go. And that's about it, man. Like, just I hope everybody comes out and has a good time. I can't wait to see everybody from that area again. Yeah, and I got to mention, too, it's also going to be uh, Gilberg and you with Smash Mouth Pro Wrestling and uh it's gonna be one great time so yeah like i said again please share with the listeners where they can find uh your social media and everything going on in the world of shannon moore oh man you uh yeah just check me out on twitter uh at the shannon brand um twitter usually will link everybody with anything i got going on uh my tattoo shop and Lindsay snow's tattoo shop is in north carolina and carthage north carolina um you can uh hit, hit me up there if you want to get tattooed or drive in and get tattooed or make appointments uh at gas chamber tattoo at gmail.com and um that's about it man just tune into my twitter and i'll leave it all there so you can you can hunt me down or you know come and find me from there thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling what the world is downloading